Everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's Friday, August twentieth, two thousand and twenty-one. This is episode number six hundred and eighty-two of Film Wax Radio. And what a what a great episode it is! We have a couple of returning guests, actually, and they're two of my favorites. I mean, um, if you can do any better than Udo Kier and Griffin Dunn, by all means. Go we'll listen to some other podcast by but but you'll be coming back because these guys are uh these are amazing and exceptional filmmakers and actors and so what what we've got going here is first up here is Udo's back. Now I had Udo Kier and director Todd Stevens on the show back in March when uh their their film Swan Song was having its festival American festival premiere anyway. I, I believe it was the world premiere and uh, we had the two guys on. In fact, you can watch that also, as well as this upcoming segment, both of them on YouTube. Go to uh, youtube.com slash filmwaxradio, and and they're both available, uh, both segments, so you can watch Udo twice. This time, it's just me and Udo. The response was so strong, and I love Todd Stevens, and I love his movies. I really do, and I I will be bringing Todd back on. Don't worry about that, but I just think, you know, Udo is such a... uh, his performances are so unusual. I want to give people a chance to have an opportunity to see Udo just one-on-one, and I wanted to get to know him a little bit too. But uh, please, by all means, let's let's get Todd back on the show as soon as possible. And I hope that the Swan Song, it's been garnering a lot of very, very favorable reviews indeed, and I, I hope that it's just a lot of people see this, this comedy. So we'll talk about Udo. I'll do the intro in a second. And then we're going to bring on Griffin Dunn, and the director, Michael Hoffman, with a film they produced and directed, wow, back in, two th- I think it was like 2006. I'm going to double-check that. But but it's a, a movie that's never had a VOD release. It's never streamed before. So when I heard that that this company, Quiver Distributions, was going to put this, this movie, uh, this kind of hidden gem on, out on uh, streaming, I thought, let me see if I can get Griffin to come back on the show for his, what, his third visit. So we will get to Griffin Dunn and Michael Hoffman together with their movie Game 6 with a screenplay by Don DeLillo. If you love reading novels, you'll know who Don DeLillo is. Anyway, I don't want to get into it right now. We're going to come back to that in the, in the next intro with that segment. But first up here is, is Udo Kier and Swan Song. Now, Magnolia Pictures is releasing Swan Song in theaters August 6th, so... Hello, it's the 20th, and then On Demand on the 13th. So it's been available. So you can, after you listen or watch, however you want to do it, my conversation with Udo, you can watch Swan Song right after that. A legendary actor, Udo Kier, stars as a retired hairdresser, Pat Pitsenberger, who escapes the confines of, of his small town, Sandusky, Ohio, nursing home after learning of his former client's dying wish for him to style her final hairdo. She, in flashback, is played by... Linda Evans, who you may recall from Dynasty. 
fame. Soon Pat embarks on an odyssey to confront the ghosts of his past and collect the beauty supplies necessary for the job. Swan Song is a comical and bittersweet journey about rediscovering one's sparkle and looking gorgeous while doing it. The film also stars the sparkly gorgeous Jennifer Coolidge, hot off of White Lotus. If you haven't seen that on HBO Max, do yourself a favor and watch her in The White Lotus. It's well worth that. And to see her in Swan Song, because you never know what you're going to get with either Udo or Jennifer, performance-wise. You just don't know what they're going to do. I like that. You know, it, it spices things up. So now Udo um, has got a number of films. I just recently watched him in Baccarat, which is on the Criterion channel if you get a chance. But he also mentioned his recent work in uh, The Painted Bird, directed by Vaclav Marhul. He will be in the upcoming My Neighbor Adolf, directed by Leonid Prudovsky. He mentioned that film. All these are listed, of course, on his IMDb page and more. So uh, if you get a chance, do check out his work. Udo Kier has uh, worked with all the great international directors. So, okay, well, now here is my conversation with Udo Kier, only on Film Wax Radio. Good evening. I'm Mr. Pat, and I'm back. Minutes. Our special item of the day, fruit cocktail. Miss Cotty always had beautiful hair. Beautiful. Patrick Pitsenbarger. It's been years. I'm retired. Rita Parker Sloan passed away. Rita specified that you do her hair and makeup for the funeral. The will makes a provision for services rendered. Client demand high quality beauty products. What you looking for? Perfect powder bleach and vivante. <laughs> Baby, that smack don't stick to nappy heads. Oh my god. Pat, is it you? Yeah, look so athletic. I'm surprised you still remember me. Who could forget the Liberace of Sandusky? And where are you located? Well, right now I'm in Brooklyn. But last oh. time, last time we spoke uh, when with Todd, I don't know if you remember, it was around the time of your South by premiere. Oh South yeah, by yeah, 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 yeah. I, you do, did a lot of press, so I don't expect you necessarily remember every get every every show. But I was I was up in the Hudson Valley, about a hundred miles north of New York City. Now I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, and oddly enough, my ex-wife's apartment. She's an actor. And uh, her, my son is here, so I was just hanging out here till she came home today, which is coming home later today. So that's okay. why I find. But it was really, other than the fact that it's 150 degrees Fahrenheit in New York, it's so hot and humid here this week. Yeah, but that is also this year the problem in Palm Springs where I'm now. You're right, of course. Uh, you see here, look, that's my garden, Adam. Right where you don't have grass. What? Do you have grass? Uh, no, in the desert you don't have grass. <laughs> I, I know, but I just thought maybe you have. In the desert you have palm trees and cactuses and plants which you know grass doesn't belong to here. 
And there's, I know people, a lot of people, they have fake grass. And, oh, that's what it is. And, and everything about you is the real deal. Real no, yes. you, don't, you don't put up with fake grass. No, I would never. I like that about you. So I have to say something, and this I, because I'm such a crazy film lover, but a, you know, specific type. I'm embarrassed to say that I only just watched a few weeks ago Baccarat. I only came around. I, I I've been wanting, I keep wanting to see it. And my friend Chris Dubeck and Johnny Mars, who I've met, you know, who I've gotten to know over the years quite well, because they're sweet, such sweet guys and just great actors, you know. And I finally I made a point of watching. It. I was like, I'm thinking, how does this film end up having those guys in it? And then, of course. They introduce you and the and the Americans. Yes. Do you remember the uh, those actors? Of course I do. Okay. Uh, it was no, we had a good time because I met the director in Berlin and at the festival, and then you uh, offered me the part, and uh, I haven't seen much of Brazil during the shooting. I was uh, collected at the airport, and then they drove me five hours to the countryside, beautiful countryside, and in a hotel, and that was also a little village nearby called Bacurau, and that's okay. where, we, where we shot the movie. And I had a good time, Sonia Braga, of I course. Know, I know, I, 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 I apologize to the gods because he left her name out. How could I do that? Sonia Braga, Braga was... Because she made a film with the same director before. Right. And she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. She lives in New York. And, uh, yes, I, uh, it, was, it was a good time for me because, again, what I started doing there, I had three films. Uh, the Painted Bird with Harvey Cartel, Great, a great uh, script, uh, and the director was very strong. So it was great actors. Have you seen the movie? I've not seen the Painted Bird. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me, so I didn't have to say that. But I you, I, the problem uh, is, the problem is, when I was very young, my parents were into Jersey Kaczynski. And they, they encouraged me to read, <laughs> you know, I was a very young lad and it's very dark stuff, you know, of course. I mean, being there was a comedy, but almost everything else was about the his time in the Holocaust and the, loss of his, and the loss of his family. And so heavy duty stuff for such a young, but I still read that book, but I didn't see the film yet. But I'm going to. It's very strong. It's about the boy was discovered the leading man, actually, a young boy, because uh, you know the book, he, the parents sent him away from the concentration camp, and then he goes to different people. So I didn't work with Harvey Cattell. I didn't work with Stellan Skarsgård. I know him very well, but from Lars von Trier. But we worked all with the boy. And that's a strong film, and then came back around, and I was... Uh, 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 totally the opposite from Swan Song. Right, well, that's yeah. what we're going to get to. Go ahead. I got nominated in San Francisco for the best villain for Baccarat, and then came uh, back Palm Springs, and I got the script, 
from Todd, uh, and I read the script and a uh, couple of times, and I liked it very much. And then I told him that I would like to meet him in person. So he came and we talked about it. And uh, you know the rest. After uh, we had discussion about the script, I had certain kind of wishes. One was to shoot chronological. Second wish was no rehearsal. And the third wish was uh, just being myself not uh, acting. And uh, that's what I tried to do in a film. Of course, I was acting, but not acting what you can see. Right. But, you know, that people say, oh, wow, that's now it's coming. I call it, when I see uh, movies, I call it the Oscar speech, when uh, I don't mention any names. But when big actors all of a sudden start with the back to the camera by the chimney and talk, and then they turn around, look at the floor and talk, and finally they come up to the island. So I didn't know, I didn't do anything like that. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. when I saw the movie. Uh, First, of course, I saw it on the computer and I was waiting to see it on the big screen. And why uh, I have, it's, it's amazing. I have the best critics in my life. And that is, for me, amazing. After 50 years of working with uh, Wim Wenders, Lars von Trier, Gus von Zandt, with great directors. I've never heard of any of those people, but they sound terrific. Yeah, I know you never heard of, but I sent you a message <laughs> who they are, and Fassbinder and all that. Fassbinder, that's what they're uh, okay. So okay, amazing. And, and then I make this film, and the critics, the New York Times, and everybody writes. Uh, after fifty years, finally a leading man. <laughs> right. Yes. I didn't understand it, but now I do understand. The reason why they all write this is I am the I'm from the beginning till the end I'm on screen. Right. And that is of course that is the the why it did work. When you read the uh, Todd's screenplay or script as it were back when he sent it to you was that I'm I'm sure it was appealing that you were in every scene and that, you know, the film is essentially from your, your point of view. But as you describe it, it was maybe the most immersive experience as an actor. In other words, you could totally just be in the moment more than any other film you've made, right? Was did that appeal to you? What, what, what else did you feel like you could incorporate things? Did you, see, did you identify things when you were reading it that you felt? Well, I identified something that uh, homosexuality mm-hmm. has changed so, so much. And for me, the, the person I played who was very flamboyant when he was young and now is an old man folding little paper towel in his uh, room. And, and then to go back where, as I said before, in the old days, when people went to a special bar for them, 
and they had to look left and right before they stepped in that the neighbors didn't see them. And today, gay young people, uh, they go everywhere. They're holding hands at Applebee or McDonald's or in any kind of place. And that was for me interesting, the confrontation between the generation, my generation when I was young and now. And I uh, talked a lot. I got the most information besides the script, which I found very well written by Todd. I uh, met a lot of his old friends, uh, Pat, the man I played, mm-hmm. the real Hitzenberger. Yeah. Yeah. And they told me the way he was holding the cigarette. They showed me how he was walking. So I learned from them what they were talking about when they met in a bar. And that was, for me, the interesting point of being an old man. And also, uh, I stayed in the first um, location, the retirement home. Oh, yeah, right. You were living in the uh, the My home. Before yeah. the camera moved in, because I wanted to see how the bed was. I wanted to look in every drawer. I wanted to stay by the window for an hour and look out and watch the birds in the tree. And that was, for me, important to just go be there and go back after the offer. And uh, it was a, a real, for me, because we shot almost chronological, almost, it was a trip back in the past, you know, and it's like uh, when I was in Germany and AIDS came, unfortunately, in the whole world, I had known people, actors, who we worked together with Fassbinder, two of the main actors of Fassbinder died of AIDS, and that was not like today, thanks to uh, the, the Lord, people take one tablet a day and they're fine but that was a horrible time when I was confronted with people who had AIDS and their doctors tried everything possible overdose of penicillin everything but they died so the whole thing of when I went to the graveyard for example to visit uh, uh, my friend David who died of AIDS I was, and I said to Todd, I don't want to talk. I want to be there on my own, and you give me a little sign when the camera is ready. And it was wonderful. All the crew were soft-spoken, speaking, because... And then I went there when I I had down uh, embraced the stone. I was thinking about the people who had died of AIDS, who I did know. So it was a a part of reality for me. And then also the the actors, all I found, even in uh, smaller parts, they were very good. And and Linda Evans was uh, amazing. And so Jennifer Cooley, Amazing. I mean, 
nobody, we all knew it was a low budget film and there was no money. And the good thing about that street in Sindaski became our studio because everybody gave talk because they knew him. Uh, Like the theater, we worked there for free. The second-hand store was across the street. And I, the moment I put that green suit on, I stayed in that green suit till I, uh, even when I die, I have the green suit on. And in the evening after shooting, because everything was in one street, I went to the park or somewhere and they said, hey, Pat, uh, <laughs> with a green suit and a hat, but it was normal. Some people, uh, the toys maybe were looking a little bit uh, who is that guy? But yeah. uh, no negative comment. So I had a, a great time. We shot the film in 18 days, which is very fast. And as I said, we did a little, uh, when Todd came here, we did a little crowdfunding. I've, I hate that word, crowdfunding, because crowd means garbage in German. And that's Oh, is that true? Oh. They crowd, used to, call, crowd, crowd. They used, they used to call uh, crowd <laughs> the Germans. So for me, I know it's a crowd fund, something different, but for me it was crowdfunding. And uh, we shot it here in my library. And I said to people, I want to do this film. Send money. And they did. We got 100,000. Uh, I don't know how much it exactly but because I don't care. But we had enough money to start shooting the film. And I am very, very, very happy for talking. Well, it sounds like you, were you ever, what were your, let me rephrase this question, because it actually sounded like, especially in that cemetery scene, for instance, that you channeled the method uh, acting technique like the actor studio and, you know, is that something uh, when you were coming up in Germany and, and collaborating with fast, oh, fast no. did you uh, method acting? Did you have to like recall no. past experiences? Was that something? You, no, no, I never been to acting school. I never been to acting school. I went for a short time just as an experiment in, in Munich with Julie Strasberg. Oh, really? And, and then the teacher said to me, what you, what you drink in the morning? I said, coffee. He said, could you drink tomorrow tea and think it's coffee? I said, no, I can't. I cannot do that. I know it's tea. So why should I think it's coffee? And I, as I said, I've never been to acting school. I became a professor in Germany teaching theory of acting without ever being to acting school because, uh, you know, acting talent is something you cannot Uh-oh. learn. You know, either you have talent, you can, you can learn a technique, yeah, but you cannot learn uh, talent. So there are people, I can, I see a film or people five minutes and I know if it's, it's talent there or not. Mm-hmm. So, so you can you can use whichever techniques at your disposal. You have a like a a, a a palette that you can draw, like paint with, 
from with different colors for doing a performance like you do with Pat, you you did actually use a little method because when you were in that in front of that gravestone, you were you were recalling like a Lee Strasberg yes, yes. Uh, actor. Uh, Whereas maybe other times you're just being you and allowing the costumes and the props to help you find the character. But look, I uh, I worked for 30 years with Lars von Trier. I just did The Kingdom four weeks ago in Copenhagen, the last episode of the series. And he said always, not only to me, when we made films uh, on, on the table, there were Lombard called Ben Gazzara, James Kahn, Nicole Kidman, Chloe Savigny, Stellan Skarsgård, Udo Kier. And uh, Lars comes in and he said, looked at us and he said, and don't forget, don't act. So I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, don't act means not be yourself. It means in a way, don't show that you act. Right, because I have a script. I can. I have to act and fulfill. But naturalism. In, but not uh, that you can see it. That is wow. What is this now? Wow, wow. And uh, you know, it's like also the different. I like all films, of course. I love my favorite film is Sunset Boulevard. Of course, I'm ready for my closer, Mr. Demille. And, uh, but that was a different time. It's the same when I, you see, I played uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, I think four times, but only in comedy. Because, and when I play Adolf Hitler, I always think about Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Great dictator. Kicking, yeah. kicking the world with his foot. And... You know, that is, uh, that is the difference. I mean, uh, great acting and there's great talent. And in that film, also the, uh, the, the actors with me, I think they all were very strong and they were very natural. They were not really acting. Well, let's remind anyone watching or listening that the Swan Song is currently in theaters as of last week, last Friday, August 6th. And as of today, August 13th, as we're speaking, it's now going to be available to many more people over streaming platforms. Today? I think so. Well, that's what I heard, unless the, the publicist can, if I'm, unless I'm mistaken. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Today? Oh, wow. Voice yep. of God. Yes, wow. that's right. I knew it was a woman. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's going to be... That's right, God is a woman. <laughs> and if she's named Rebecca, that's fine with me, too. Uh, but it's... Um, so anybody... Uh, which platforms, Rebecca, since you're already chiming in? Uh, it's going to be on all the platforms. It will okay. be on Vudu, Amazon, Apple, Fandango. So it's a premium. It's a premium streaming, so... You have to pay for it. It's not on Hulu or any of those where you have like a pay per view. Right, gotcha. Right, uh, Adam, yeah. Adam. What is the painting behind you? 
Well, it's 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 an illustration, a truth. It says truth. Yeah, you mean I don't the know. truth? Uh, the the yeah. liquid, the liquid in it is the truth. <laughs> hey, uh, that's it says ingredients on the. It says ingredients. Truth, okay. Truth, water, and sugar. Uh, okay, gotcha. I, you know, again, we can wait for my my ex. She's uh, doing the new Sex and the City show. Uh, my my son's mother. Yes, she'll be back here. She's doing Sex and the City. The maybe they should get you on that show. I think you'd be really good on that. But uh, I, I had a question for you. Since you you're a, an international actor, you work in Europe and all around the world. It sounds like it's a, a, over the course of your career, right? Do you think, uh, where do you, do you, do you draw, draw any kinds of distinction uh, of, of, let's say, European actors versus American actors? Well, uh, I mean, the, in Europe, I would say uh, sometimes it's uh, better because there is their low-budget films, and it means there is not the pressure of a studio film uh, you know, when, because, for example, now I have a reoccurring role in Hunters. That's what I'm doing uh, at the moment. Uh, and it's different. It's mm-hmm. In Germany, when I worked with Fassbinder and I knew Fassbinder, when we both, he was 15, I was 16. And when he stopped making movies and I was in London, anyway... To make it short, we started working together, and there was no money. And there was just a good story and a good director and good actors. There was Hanna Shigula, there was Barbara Sukova. They were uh, uh, good uh, good people. And also, I worked with Werner Herzog uh, and with Wim Wenders. So they were, they compared the budget to European film, even when I did Suspiria with Dario Argento, there was no money. But it was, uh, yeah, they, they, made, they needed money to make the movie, but it wasn't big budget. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very uh, hard in Germany uh, or in France or Italy that people don't make a big, big, big budget film. Sometimes, but then there is American money or American production are involved. Well, in this film, you've got, again, uh, Udo Kier, as you mentioned, Linda Evans, Jennifer Coolidge. And by the way, I don't know if you've been watching White Lotus. She's White Lotus on HBO, but she's... I want to see that, yes. Yeah, you get a chance. She's... She's just... So uh, wonderful to watch. She's great. Yes, great. I know. She's, she's, she's very unpredictable. She's wonderful on that show. So if you get a chance, do watch it. Yeah, um, I watched her always in Two Broke Girls. Right. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. I was always waiting for her entrance in this TV show because her entrance was one. There she was <laughs> and wonderful. No, I, I just saw her by, at the premiere in Los Angeles. A wonderful, wonderful. I want to see the show. And all the actors, they were... I mean, even, you see, one of my 
uh, favorite moment, Adam, was the hair. The mentor when I do the hair. Yeah, you're going to bring that up again. She does not speak, and I put two cigarettes and give her one. Yeah, it's a lovely moment. Yeah. Remember, remember yeah. your hair, you're beautiful. And this, you see, I, not only in this film, but when I make movies, I believe the most in little things, not the big numbers, in little things. And like in that film, definitely one of my favorite moments is, of course, with this lady in the wheelchair. And it's it's not the acting, but it's just a situation. And, you know, or at the end, before I disappear, sitting on the couch, and he confesses to me his life. And then all of a sudden, I just, it's not, I don't move at all. It's just from the, the ashes from the cigarette, which falls down. That's a little, a little moment and not saying, okay, I understand. Yes, I liked your grandmother. No, it's just this. And Todd is, uh, did direct it very well. Not only was it written very well, but also it was directed very well. We had a great understanding. I didn't want it to go over the top, which we agreed. And I'm very happy that I didn't. And so let's hope a lot of people see the film, Adam, a lot. And uh, let's see, and ask you and the press in the whole America from Variety to the Los Angeles time, they all say the same thing. Finally, a leading man. That means I have to look now for leading parts. That's right. That's right. Because plays a supporting part. Okay, if it's David Lynch, uh, uh, that's okay. (laughs) Right, you'll make an exception. You know, there's, uh, you know, uh, but... Uh, for low budget films, or I have to wait now to uh, get a leading part playing. Maybe I laughed very much. But hold off and don't, yeah, don't accept anything less. Hold off for that. Because... William Bowers, for example, I loved William Bowers. I knew him and I visited him in, in Kansas and everywhere. So that's something I'm interested in. So, but I uh, I will, if I wouldn't be an actor, Adam, I would be a gardener. And Is it true? Yeah. Okay. Have, Why can't you do both? I'm doing both now. No? Okay. I have, uh, besides my house here in Palm Springs, I have a ranch, five acres, with about 80 trees, which I planted. Okay. And, I mean, I didn't plant, I planted, I bought them and rolled and somebody put them in. And, but, you know, probably. Where's that? Where's the ranch? Uh, Morongo. That's uh, 25 minutes away from here. Oh. And a palm tree grows one foot uh, a year. So now I have to already look up because they, they did, they were in, uh, like my eyes now I have to look up so 
that's what I, I do. Uh, I go there and water, <clears throat> and that's uh, I like the desert where I live. And as you said at the beginning, no grass, no grass, but beautiful natural plants in the desert, like Joshua trees. They only grow at a certain height. And uh, I'm happy. I'm a happy, lucky man. You are. Well, it's wonderful to be at this place in your life and career. Anyway, fans of Udo Kier will be kvelling, as we say in the Yiddish business. Uh, Is that a German word too, kvelling? No. No, but it, they'll be they'll be really excited because it's just like I don't know is it eighty minutes or so, but it'll be like of just watching you and never knowing what's going to happen next or what you're going to do next, and that's fun. It's and it's very gratifying. So people should definitely take Udo's advice and see Swan Song now. As of today, you can watch it immediately after we we're finished. You can go and watch. This, this movie on, on whatever this, platform you want. It's, uh, the good thing is I made already, Adam, I made already uh, three films after that. So it's not, I made a, a nice film, uh, Israeli, Israeli Polish production in Colombia called My Neighbor Adolf. And it's a wonderful story. It's a Jewish man with a family uh, Holocaust, and he lives there. And next to him is a little house for rent. And I move in with a German shepherd, and he sings, of course, that I'm Adolf Hitler. And he goes to the Israeli embassy and says, "Sir, uh, he died." And the truth of the story is, I can tell you, the mm-hmm. truth is. And this guy was a champion in chess. And I was one of the doubles in Germany of Adolf Hitler. And I played played chess with him and he he knew my eyes. So that's why he sings I'm Adolf Hitler, because that's what they told him when he was playing chess. It's coming out soon. My neighbor neighbor Adolf. So I I did after Swan Song and Born with Glass from Trier. The Kingdom, mm-hmm. and, uh, a film in Germany. So, okay. so maybe I, I'm I'm thinking of the uh, Udo Kier Film Festival. Maybe that's a thing because it'll be you'll have so many films out that you can have your own film festival of just your. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, maybe just a retrospective makes more sense. Yes, I did. I have, and uh, tomorrow night, uh, no, s- Sunday night in New York. They're showing a film from Christoph Schlingensee, who I made five films with. with uh, and they're showing Egomania with Tilda Swinton and me playing the lead. And a German, uh, very low-budget film. And to, uh, on Sunday evening, I will, be, I will be... Rebecca knows... Okay. I will be on screen talking about how I met the director and there we'll talk about sponsor. All right, and you're going to have the, you'll be in front of the same paintings? Uh, maybe okay. not. Maybe. That, maybe that, 
that you saved just for me. That's nice. Oh, yeah, for you. Look there. You see? Yeah. Can you see what's there? Sure. I see the trees. I see a sculpture of some kind. In the, in that's, the all, that's all my awards. Your ring light. I can't see all the awards. No, that's oh, in the You shouldn't see them when you visit me. Well, it's in, very good. I like that. But I'll put all this information. I'll try to remember uh, to put all these details in the description of the show so people can see see or you know join these events after watching this you know i'll I'll make sure i'll put all the links and other details uh, there so people can watch your stuff uh your new films but um well thank you i mean this has been such a treasure such a great uh fortune for me to have you back on and you know i'd bring todd back on anytime as well but I thought I would, I think people just, just get such a kick at seeing you. The response the first time last year when you both came on was so strong. And I thought, oh, let me get, let me do this again. Okay. So thank, thank you very much. And uh, yes. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Say hello to your wife when she comes back. Ex-wife, but okay, well. <laughs> thank you both. Thank you. I suppose to make a dead bitch look human. Was she a handful? Oh, a demanding Republican monster. Sounds like a nightmare. I adored her. Holy hell, Pat. You're still alive? I used to perform here. Must have been before my time. This place was family. Girl, you taught me everything I never wanted to know. Even though I never really knew you, I want you to know you changed my life. Well, ain't you just the sweetest thing? Pick me. Game 6 is directed by Michael Hoffman, who is on this segment. It's written by Don DeLillo, the author of such classics as Libra and Underworld and uh, White Noise. Well, he wrote this original screenplay, and uh, Michael directed it. Michael also was known for The Last Station and Restoration, many great films, Soap Dish. He's just one of the great directors. I was so happy to bring him on, as well as the original producer of this film, Griffin Dunn, who also acts in it along with Michael, get this cast, Michael Keaton, Robert Downey Jr., Catherine O'Hara, Ari Grainer, B.B. Newworth, and more. Nicky Rogan's new play is opening on Broadway, and many agree he's written the best play of his career. Or has he? Critic Stephen Schwimmer, played by Robert Downey Jr., is slated to review... And he's ruined many a playwright with his scathing words. Nicky is becoming concerned, but instead chooses to obsess over his Red Sox and their chances against the Mets in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. Will the Sox and his play come crashing down on the same night? Written by acclaimed writer Don DeLillo, Game 6 is an intelligent, witty, unsettling tale of one man's encounter with his demons, his passions, and his infatuation with failure. It was premiered originally in the 2005 Sundance Film Festival and to great acclaim. It had a great theatrical run, and, and then all of a sudden, we haven't seen it since, So uh, except for maybe on DVD, but now it's back. Fortunately, streaming. I should mention also with the soundtrack by Yola Tango, and we now are going to slip into our conversation with director Michael Hoffman and producer star Griffin Dunn here only 
only on Film Wax Radio. October 25th, 1986 is the biggest day of playwright Nicky Rogan's life. I have never worked on a show where the leading man has a parasite in his brain. This is all your history. My parasite is eating it. Not because a critic wants to destroy his play. He'll write a review so devastating it will shatter your career. Not because his marriage is ending. How could you do that? Well, I'm a man. She's no woman. She's my gynecologist. I've been talking to a prominent divorce lawyer. How prominent? He has his own submarine. But because tonight, his beloved Boston Red Sox are one game away. This could be it. From winning the World Series. If you know anything about the team's history, it's a tragedy in the making. I've been carrying this franchise on my back since I'm six years old. I've never understood your thing with the Red Sox. They're getting ready to kill my play. That's about us, who we are. The truth is never gentle. Yeah, you can analyze the Red Sox game day and night for a month and still uncover complex layers of feelings. Feelings you didn't even know you were capable of having. That kind of pain has a memory all of its own. And a drive to left, going back on Hello. Michael here. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Adam. Hello. <laughs> Libra by Don DeLillo. Yep, another fabulous book. The guy's, guy's an extraordinary writer, isn't he? I just yeah, love um, I'm I'm waiting for with bated breath for his next book. Well, he's always been. What's creepy is they become just, and I'm not sure I love this, but they just become to feel more and more relevant and more and more like they're reflecting what's going on in the world. You know, the more confusing and dystopian the world becomes, the more Dawn's vision tends to match up with it. Yeah, no, it's very true. I actually, I was saying to Ryan, I have. Uh, Nice to meet you, by the way, Michael. Nice to meet you, too. Very nice. I was looking forward to talking to you. Big fan of your films. Thank you. Impressive filmography, I have to say. Um, and, I, yeah, I've been a fan of DeLillo's. I, I, when I was reading them from, what was the one, since White Noise. I just the White Noise was, yeah, I think White Noise is the one that really kind of defines yeah, who. It, it also was like the first time he really finds this voice. very particular dystopian perception perceptive uh, kind of this creepy feel the apocalypse right at the at the edge of the page you know it's 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 and and you know underworld as well underworld i think is very special book and actually has lots of overlap with this screenplay yeah that's what i was looking for my copy of underworld but uh i think it must be i have a storage room i think i have a couple of boxes of books i just ran out of space in this walk-in closet i I understand I understand you know, that. I'm yeah. in Hudson Valley. Where? Yeah. Right near the Bard College area. I'm Tivoli. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. are you? So not very far. I'm in London. I'm in, in, in okay. I'm very near the Arsenal Stadium in, in Highbury in London. Yeah. Oh, I, do, I see. So this really is a, was a little bit more of a uh, complicated scheduling than I thought. Yeah, well, I think I'd say it's a pleasure. It's a perfectly, perfectly, perfectly good time. It's just keeping me from, you know, you're saving me from, I'm, I'm actually having my first uh, glass of wine a half an hour later than usual. So <laughs> well, you may are, feel free. Uh, I'll be right back. Looks like, oh, there's Griffin. No, then there's Griffin. Done. Feel free to there I open. am. Oh, for fuck's sake, Griffin. No, <laughs> turn your video on. For I'm trying. Jesus I'm trying. Christ to... almighty. I think I would know this shit by now. No, no, see. Oh, look at that. Look. Hello. How Where are, are you, you Michael? I, I'm in London. I'm in of London. Of course you are. Yeah, I've just come back from Italy, a month in Italy, which is very nice. And you've in the, I just got a thing from a hotel I stay at that you can now, uh, don't have to be quarantined. 
you don't have to be quarantined. No, you don't. You can get on a plane. You can come straight over here. You can go straight to that hotel and start well, drinking. It's just better and better. I know. Hey, Adam, How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Are you, are you married again? Uh, a couple times since I've seen you. Right. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm, I'm switching up the genders now. I think that's good. I think it's yeah. very forward thinking. Have you that's seen, are you still with that lovely I am woman? Not, well, no, not really. No. Okay. This is being broadcast around the world. Right. right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. 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 Um, I just, so I how have... much did you pull from what, just, just one little, we were already started on the subject of Don DeLillo, but Griffin, I, I happened to be, uh, I happened to see within two, oh. the sequel. And uh-huh. I, I I just had, I saw your uh, segment, yeah, your, and uh, and I was wondering how much maybe you drew from real life in there, you know. Well, uh, the thing that the 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 the, the woman who you know, Zonia, yeah. um, who Michael has certainly met, um, and I were quarantining together. Oh, wait, you really? When we got working. a call from the producers, would you like to make a short film in your quarantine, and we'll send a camera oh, and cool. package, and then it would go on to another filmmaker and another one. And I just happened to have a, a production designer who lived above me who, who <laughs> did it. And then, because uh, it actually had some production value to it as well. But it was inspired in real life because in March, when people, though the, the, the COVID was just starting to scare people, um, I had uh, left New York for my aunt's uh, 90th birthday in, in Nogales, Arizona. And uh, my girlfriend was going to come with me, but then got so worried and then became infuriated that I went and did, did not regard my own health, take my own or, or even hers if I should come back. And it turned into this huge, huge argument, which right. sort of inspired. the. Wow, that's you know, awesome. Yeah, which sort of <laughs> and it's about, you know, this couple has spent one night together and then he leaves the pandemic hits he goes to the airport he goes his can- flight's canceled and then he comes back to her apartment and she freaks out and locks him in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. Dude, does this ex- have you finished this yeah 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 i'll send was, you was a, a, oh send me a link to... also i, yeah, I yeah. did a little film too a covid th- I'll oh, send good, it. I'll good, good. we can it's, trade we can trade genre. short films exactly yeah. hopefully hopefully short-lived not hopefully short-lived exactly yeah uh but but it's it it brings out a couple. Well, first of all, it actually works quite well. The parent the because as you pointed out, this film took place. The short that we're talking about took place during the early days, where we really lacked a lot of information about it, and and the there was a strong uh, incentive on on this, the government to keep frighten us into staying inside mm. because you know the hospital, the fear of hospitals getting overwhelmed as they are once again, and so. You know, it really works as a, you know, because there's that edginess and the, it's very DeLillo adjacent. Is that a I would just oh, about to say, oh, you would have thought oh. DeLillo invented the COVID. Yeah, but but DeLillo, yeah. it is creepy how De, DeLillo's stuff just becomes the worse the world gets, the more the more wounded the world gets, the truer his his material is. It's very unsettling. I um, But you can I ask you I mean, this? I think. Can I just ask Griffin a question? Because it's in keeping with some of the. Um, when you were developing the script, I mean, what was the starting point? Because I mean, some of this stuff he then borrowed and used yes, in Underworld. Under, under but what? Yeah, but what was the starting point when you guys, you and Amy, started working with him? Because that predates my yeah, even I, I, I can, fully I can involvement. Exactly. Um, um, I went to a bachelor. No, a uh, yes, sorry, I went to a bachelor party for a friend of mine 
Hamilton Fish, who was to run the information. Yeah, uh, sure. sure. And uh, it was a bunch of us fellas in a restaurant. And Jules Pfeiffer was, was in attendance. And wow. he had just received a, a devastating review from Frank Rich. And he was really, really pissed. And he mused on the idea of, you know, I wish I could kidnap him and torture him and would just went into all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And I then went to Amy as I went to this bachelor party and then I went and said, you know, this is kind of a funny idea. Yeah. And literally, if not that day, the next day, our fax machine purred to life in those days of fax machines with a proposal from Don DeLillo's agent to us of the very same premise. That's and so, isn't that incredible? And then that, how do I not know this story? I, I didn't crazy. realize you didn't. And and so and we went, yeah, of course we were huge fans of Don DeLillo. Yeah. And 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 had Amy had met him through Ann Beatty, who who wrote the book that we based our first movie on, Twilight Scenes of Winter. Yeah. So it began there began the development, and we set it up at Universal back in the days when you could yeah, set yeah. up things on a pitch. Um, and and there it was developed. Yeah, that's that like when I first got attached to it was in that early right, manifestation right. as a as a director in a movie that Universal was never going to make. Right. So, yeah. What year roughly are you talking about, Griffin? Uh, when when that fax machine uh... i think that would have been like 91 96 90, yeah no yeah yeah it, well we made it we made it some years later but it would have been i'm terrible because he had now. written the, the screen he read a didn't he write a, a treatment for a screenplay some i mean it was there was a, 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 a gap of time there right yeah yeah between the time we got the proposal and the time we got the script or just since he had written maybe uh like he well he wrote the novel right or is it was it it wasn't based on a novel. It no, it's not based it's on an original novel. screen. In fact, it yeah. uses a little bit of the material in Underworld later on, or okay. similar yeah. material, parallel. Yeah, the, the, the cab hopping and all. I know is exactly, exactly, completely, yeah. completely original. What's really striking to me, and this is something you couldn't have known when you got into it, because we've all gotten, you know, seduced by a famous writer, and then you work on a screenplay with them, and you go, "Oh my God, they," you know. This is just a different genre than they're used to. They don't know how to write dialogue. But how? But right from the beginning, he understood this very kind of lean kind of storytelling that cinema demands. Right? I assume because it, I, 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 without a doubt, I mean, it was so. It was just so visual right from the very beginning. It had a a visual pulse of traveling across Midtown and the sense of dread that followed with every uh, with yeah. every new cab and every every. Where's DeLillo from? I mean, he's not from New York City, is he? Is he from the Bronx, isn't he? Do he's we from know? the Bronx. Oh, he's he from the Bronx. From the Bronx. Italian, Italian uh, parents were, were uh, Italian immigrants. So he's tried to cross. Cr- cross so, he's driven, so he's probably been in a taxi crossing. I oh, which sure he has, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Make yourself he's a big theater goer. Yeah. I love it. Can I get you a drink, Griffin? No, the light is much better, by the way. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just getting better. comfortable. I decided to put a shirt on for this interview. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, all... yeah. It's, it, it, you ha- and it's a first, and we've done them only in person in the past, so it was very uncomfortable in the past because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been a big fan since uh, White Noise. I was telling uh, Michael, so when this email came over my fax the other day, yeah. I was like... Uh, 
really uh, excited because I think I saw it. I think I would see, I, I don't think you could see that movie with B.B. Newworth in it, but you wouldn't forget that's like seeing her in that film, but she's so great in that. She looks so great. No, but I would, I'm going to say, I, I think I saw it, but I was able to kind of watch it maybe with the, it felt like a first time here when I watched it again. Oh, good. I was just so, so impressed with it. You know, I, I think it's a great film. Great. That's what I mean to say. I think it's somehow better. You know, we had a screening of it. What was it? That at, 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 What's a, what's what's that cinema called? The Metrograph. Metrograph. We, Metrograph. You, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah so not not, not that long ago, not that long ago. Like, um, and uh, and Don came. A, uh, Don came again, and with his wife, is really lovely as well. And she was like, and they both felt like they were watching a different movie. They said afterwards. I mean, they felt like it had become, it had somehow grown into itself and become more more relevant and more resonant than it yeah. was when yeah. we made it, which was, uh, which I, I watched it not that long ago. And I, I felt sort of the same, like, it's, I guess the world is just getting more toxic and more, and the, I, and, and dread is a more yeah. common experience. So maybe <laughs> we were onto we, something with the dread. It also Griffin. just, uh, it's so perfectly, it's a really great casting example of great casting. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. It is well cast. Especially the playwright. Both playwright. That would be both playwright. Well, I meant yeah. Um, that I, I love Griffin's performance in it. I love Griffin's Griffin's. That is like one of the grungiest characters. I mean, you can smell him. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, you can make a perfume. Have you done? Have you done something Elliot. like that? Had you done something along those lines prior to that role, Griffin? Had you? Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I kind of um, Elliot, um, Elliot Litback. Yeah. yeah, no, I Elliot I had, Litback. I, I had a, a, a pursued a neurotic behavior before, and uh, not wow. necessarily uh, combined with hygiene, but um, uh, but I'd also known Michael as well. We he and I did Johnny Dangerously together in nineteen like eighty two. Um, so so it was really fun to work with him again. I mean, he's remained a very close friend. Yeah. So we just had got in the cab and had fun with Michael. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was great. I mean, it was the joke on the, you know, cause everyone was getting paid a hundred dollars a day and we didn't have, I mean, we had the total budget of the movie was like $500,000. And the joke was Michael Keaton doesn't have a trailer. He has a stool and he literally did have a little three legged stool that he just kind of yeah, perched himself awesome. on the corner of say, you know, 52nd street and 10th street and just talk to whoever would talk to him <laughs> well you had in in one movie you had a past batman and a future iron man yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah that was and we when we had robert at a very very specific time i i've made a couple of movies with him before um so right. restoration, restoration and then he'd had a he'd had a little time out away from from the business and he came back and i think he was feeling actually pretty pretty vulnerable and pretty raw um and it was i think it, there's something of where he was in that moment and i think it was very brave of him to come out and and do, do and and do the role it's one of the first things he did after after that um darker period of his life and he came back and absolutely you know he was so there's you feel that in the performance you really feel his his the brokenness in the character and the way and the vulnerability in the character it was very brave what he was able to you know present i think we were lucky that he came out and did that 
and you got Michael Keaton as a playwright first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. obviously good 10 years before. Uh, Birdman. Yeah. There's a lot of Birdman. similarities between the movies. There is something there, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you had, uh, but, but uh, yeah, it works. It works. Uh, they do work kind of well together now that you mention it, but um, anyway, so what took it, uh, what was the, um, went into the finally now releasing this um, again, was it in a limbo or something? What was the, was it available? I guess that can, that's kind of a producer question. I'm glad it is because I don't know the answer. I, I don't know the answer either, actually. Okay. I, I know that um, Amy uh, Robinson um, and Leslie Ordang were approached by someone, a distributor, who is very um, passionate about the movie and didn't oh, feel like got a fair shake the first time around. And uh, it all went rather quickly. So the next call I got was they've already hired a publicist and here we are. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. quick. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. Quiver, Quiver Films, Quiver. Yeah, which well, is cool. Very... I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad it, it's going to have you know another life. It's really funny how these things, you know, you you never know. I, I made this other little comedy when I was a kid called Restless Native, set up in Scotland, and you know, and 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 at the time, except it came out, and the, the Scots embraced it. The English were insulting about it, and and now though, it has this whole kind of like. Uh, you know, big fan club and, you know, it's McAvoy's favorite movie and Jerry Butler's favorite movie and, and Jack Black wanted to remake it. And now they're now someone who's approached me about doing a theater music, a stage musical of it. And it's like, it's being screened on, it's just been re-released on DVD on, on Blu-ray. Who, who the fuck saw that coming? You know, this is, what is it called? It's called Restless Natives. Restless Natives. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a funny, it's a funny little movie. Well, it's great. You'll be a little bit of a revival of your, maybe yeah. more, of the yeah. more obscure films, if dare I say that. Exactly <laughs> right. They are. They are. And they are obscure. <laughs> People I, I'm going to track that down. I feel like looking at watching that tonight. You know, do, I, you'll like it. It's, it's yeah. funny. And this, I don't remember if you remember this group called Big Country, but they were sort of yes, a Scottish band. They did the soundtrack. It was the only soundtrack awesome. they ever did. Awesome. It was like cool. really, yeah, no, it's fun. You know, yeah, have a look. Speaking of soundtracks, yes, brought it up. This one has a, also a pretty, yeah, uh, crazy, notable soundtrack yeah. by I Yola love it. Tango. I love it. Tango. That was pretty yeah. nifty as well. Yeah, that was a crazy experience. I just, I mean, I had gotten turned on to Yola Tango by a couple of actor friends of mine, and that was mentoring at Sundance, and I was talking to somebody maybe Griffin, somebody standing there to one of the other mentors. And I was like, and talking about doing this movie and, and saying, I was thinking about Yola Tango doing, I might approach Yola Tango. I don't know how I'd ever get a hold of them, but you know, they'd be interesting. And a voice behind me goes, Oh, that's my sister. And I turned around and one of the, one of the filmmakers at Sundance was a woman named em- Emily Hubley, who's the sister of Georgia Hubley, who's in the band. And oh. so, you know, she just handed me their phone number and I went and called them and talked to Ira and James and Georgia and boom. It was done. They'd never done it before, but they were like, yeah, well, okay. They're natural so, for it too. I'm yeah, they were natural. Yeah, they were natural, but it was very, very, it was just one of those things that when you realize that, you know, her sister standing behind you, that it's always, you always feel like it, it may be meant to be. Sure, and it was very, very exciting process working with them in their little kind of crazy ass house in Hoboken. 
but it's interesting because you yeah, know they, you see the movie maybe i don't know if you if you put in like a um what do they call them the temp track, track? Temp track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We used, we used, we knew we had Yola Tango, so we we tempted it with Yola Tango. Oh, you used temp their music when you gave. It we use we tempted it, but then with then everything that's, I mean, then they recomposed everything. Well, for, yeah, for but the, I'm just thinking because you know you see, I would imagine you you're creating, you're you have to look at a film with no soundtrack, and then you know you get a sense of the of the tension that you want or or whatever, and then you create the, the score and then and then you're actually then people that are watched hopefully afterwards you know it's a big part of of what creates that that experience for them so in a movie like this it seems like it's it's really uh, an important component well what was really cool about working with them is i mean one of the it's it's as griffin would tell you as well it's one of the banes of, of composers lives is they're handed a script that has that a director's been listening watching the movie sorry a cut where a director's been watching that cut with the temp music on it for like weeks and weeks and weeks and was like totally invested in the temp score so somehow the composer has to get the director to move his head out of it what was great about them because it was all their music they were like all this music is wrong <laughs> even if it was their music it's all wrong we'll show you what it should be and that they did but you know but still what it was it was indicated like you're talking about the sort of narrative values in the music they absorbed that and then just rewrote the music yeah i remember once hearing scorsese once said he was uh, uh, interviewing a composer and he watched and the 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 uh the the first conversation they had was um he was the composer was talking in a completely different direction, and uh, the and Marty said, "Well, you know, that's why I use in the temp." And he goes, "Well, yeah, that's the temp track." And he goes, uh, "No, actually, I did that temp track for a reason. I mean, it wasn't like I was just killing time putting up my. That's actually there's a reason that that music is there. I'm not saying to do the exact thing, but you know, so I mean, then Yellow Tango could even find inspiration of where it should be from." from their own music, which is even more impressive. Uh, the name of the film is called Game Six, and it refers to the 1986 World Series, which I vividly remember, mostly because oh, yeah. oh, at yeah. the time I was dating, a, oh, I was living in the New York City, I remember specifically, but I was dating a woman named, uh, dating a woman from Arlington. <laughs> so it might have been what ended our relationship, Arlington, Massachusetts. But uh, <laughs> I remember it too. I was watching it with three English friends of mine in Salt Lake City. We were going to make a make. I was making this film called Promise Land, and they thought baseball was the most exciting game that's ever played by any human being because this is the only baseball game they'd ever seen. <laughs> this is right. awesome. I want to watch another one of these. <laughs> well, any memories of that that, that series, Griffin? I, I just remember how the, the just the tension of it and and. I don't know why I just, my heart always, the amount of shit that poor Bill went through, uh, Buckner went through was just unforgivable. Oh, yeah. oh, he went, the guy, the error, the ball yeah, went through his legs. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. I'll tell you a, a weird, a weird story. Um, so here I, I'm, you know, this is the first go round with the movie, right? When we were, when it was at Universal. And I was in the middle of building a house in Boise, Idaho, where I lived at the time. And um, I went into to the tile store and, and, and 
had a meeting about the tile. And when I walked out, I picked up a set of house plans. I got back to my car and I go, well, these are my house plans. And I looked down and it's Bill and Jody Buckner's house plans. So I walked back in and there's Bill Buckner having moved to Boise because it's a fucking long way from Boston, you know, seriously. (laughs) And, 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 and so Bill then Bill and Bill Buckner became a friend of mine and, and quite a close friend. And then, you know, then eight, six years later, I had to sort of sit down with him and go, okay, I really had this chance to make this movie. How are you going to feel about this? So he read it and, and actually they were incredibly gracious about the whole thing, but it was a very, you know, it was like something that something that Delilah would, Delilah would write. What's that? That's something I didn't know. Yeah. That was pretty weird. (laughs) You'd have to to make peace with that at some level. Otherwise you're just going to drink yourself to, to death or something. Yeah, um, but but right? I mean, making peace with it is it's not so easy when things happen. Like, so Bill actually ran a hitting school in Boise, in Boise, you know, for young baseball players, right? Bill Buckner Baseball Camp, and literally somebody from Boise who I knew had a Bill Buckner Baseball Camp T-shirt is walking through LaGuardia, and somebody came up to him and said, "That's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. Where can I buy one of those?" You know. So. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. What a great cast again! I'm going to just mention because you know, uh, yeah, Michael Keaton, of course, Griffin, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Catherine mm-hmm. O'Hara. Catherine oh my O'Hara. god! And then she was okay, fucking okay. hilarious. There's only a handful when I do these in the show. When it comes to like bring on actors, there's only a handful that I've coveted. And I've been Griffin Dunn is in that group. I and I kid you not. And now that you're on That's for it. multiple times, mm-hmm. I feel like you know uh, I I could stop any day. But Thank you. I another, I totally love you. And then <laughs> and then uh, and uh, it's very the entertaining. Only, <laughs> the only other there is you know who else is in that that small group is Harris Eulin. And oh. I oh and I, I love God, Harris Eulin. I got him on my podcast some years ago. And uh, I was just just enjoying, and it, he was just so great. It was with a couple of other people in this film, uh, and then I was just a couple of weeks later. I'm walking again. I'm on Lexington Avenue, I, I think, or somewhere on the Upper East Side. I'm walking, and I come out of the subway, and there's Harris Eulen just standing on the corner, looking kind of looking around, looking a little lost, though he probably was not. But then I was like, now, yeah, it's now the parasite in his brain. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I was just saw him in. Um... I was rewatching some episode of Ozark. I mean, what an actor! Yes, he's great. Yeah, he's he's a wonderful actor. He was in my movie uh, Emperor's Club as well. He's just such a good. I mean, he can do, and he's brilliant in that scene. He is. I mean, some of those moments where you know, where he's like this blankness. It's very not not horrifying. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. Absolutely and hilarious. But he's a, also like he's a he's a Delillo type of character actor then because absolutely right? you know what yeah. that's absolutely true he yeah. fits in that world very well and I have to say every once in a while the lines come back to me like Catherine O'Hara when she says uh, what she what she says I'm I'm a, a, what what what's the word she says about an attorney a something attorney uh, a, a a prominent divorce attorney. And Mark, Michael says, how prominent he says, he says he has his own submarine, which I think is like a fucking genius line. He has his own submarine. Well, 
I will find out where how it's people can see it. It'll be obviously streaming on whatever platform. I'm sure it'll be on iTunes and various other streaming platforms. So I'll take care of that. Thank you both for for making this happen with me. Pleasure, Adam. You met. Yeah, it was fun. Really, really thrilled. Thank you. Um, Very good. And it's, I'm, I thank you for giving me an opportunity to to see Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. See you too, Michael. Fills me with delight. Oh, good. Well, I hope I see you soon, pal. Yeah, I got to show you the movie. We made another movie together. Oh yeah, you still have. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I'll bring it with me next time. I'll, Wait, well, what it. is that? Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't we uh, have a little bit of a uh, news breaking item here? Well, it's 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 a sort of sad sad thing because it's a movie that I absolutely love, and I would would say, and I believe it's true, and and the what's great is no one can see it, so no one can disprove it, is the best movie I've ever made. Um, but it's it's about Gore Vidal. Um, but it's had the kind of um, it's been complicated because Kevin Spacey played Gore Vidal. So Netflix is, 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 uh, yeah. has had to I sort did of read about it. About, yeah. yeah. It's that. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, Griffin's in it and we had a wonderful time making it in Italy. And I still am hoping that at some point in, in time um, we'll find a way to. I think that day will come. Get it seen. Yeah, I think so too. And fingers, it, um, fingers but crossed. in the meantime, I will. I'll sneak it. I'll, we'll have a, we'll have a, it, a quiet, quiet screening in your Very basement good. with one with all of your wives. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll triple. That'll triple the number of people who've seen the movie. Absolutely. There we go. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. All right. Very good. You. See you guys. Bye. 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 See ya. Each of us lives in the thinnest possible wrapping of dreams. And truth is the force that penetrates this wispy skin. You want to make the night come down. It's too hard for you to believe in something. I want to believe. If you believed, you wouldn't be walking around with a handgun in your belt. There are things that speak to us from the past. Your truth is locked up in the past. Losing is easy. Winning is easy. Losing is complicated. mistakes I've made, all the fear, cased in this little envelope we call the body. Lost games, lost dreams. There's the thing that always happens, because it has to. Game six. I could have been happy. Could have been a Yankees fan. <laughs> okay, thank you everybody. You know, I'm mentioning this again, that we have a free Patreon account. I am uploading original episodes as we approach the 10th anniversary next month of Filmwax Radio. Believe it or not, 10 years of Filmwax Radio. So I'm going to be uploading for Patreon. We're going to make all those available to everybody on Patreon. The point is, is that if you go to any of the podcast apps or to filmwaxradio.com, you'll only be able to watch about the last two years of episodes. Or if on the apps, I think only the last 100 episodes. So everything before 500, what have you, will only be available over time to patrons. So I'm just encouraging people to consider it. But I also want to mention something coming up. We're going to have some surprise guests for the 10th anniversary as we're approaching. We will be reaching out to various original guests from 10 years ago and find out what they're up to and we're going to check in with them only on the audio podcast by the way so please do uh take care of yourselves and the ones you love until next time this is adam Sharp, host of film wax radio take care
But no one ever knows 